creatures chain tune my body and my brain to the music well tune my body and my brain to the music of the land welcome to growing a greener kenai folks on this wonderful april day on the central kenai peninsula the best place to live in the whole state of alaska well i'll tell you what we got a we got a lot of good stuff to talk about today and uh with the time of the year we are right now folks we are talking seeds. We're talking growing. And I'll tell you what, this sun and a little warming up, it is exciting. It's 32 out there right now. We got some bright sun. My greenhouse has actually gotten up to 68 to 70 degrees. And that just tickles me to death to go out there and sit in that sun, do a little greenhouse work and get going. Uh, it's Far too long, folks, and we've still got a lot of snow to melt before we can get out there and do anything. Before we get going on what we're going to talk about a little bit today, I want to make a, a couple of announcements uh, right now. Uh, for anyone who might be interested, on April 6th at the Soldatna Public Library at 5.30 p.m., I think that was a, a Thursday, I can't remember. Anyway, um, there's a gardening class called Gardening Soldatna Gardening 101, and it'll be by none other than our own Casey Matney from the uh, University Extension Center, whose office is down there on Kay Beach. And if you've ever listened to Casey speak before, he's absolutely fantastic. That guy, his brain is full of so much stuff, and I'll use that old cliche I, I use all the time. He's forgotten more than I'll ever know. Uh, so I think, uh, I think I'm think i going to go to that. My wife probably go to that, too, and listen to Casey. Then on April 8th, the Central Peninsula Garden Club program, our regular monthly program, will be our last one of the season before we start up in September again. But that is going to be by a gentleman named Michael Hicks. And Michael owns and runs Grandpa's Worms. And Michael's operation is absolutely fantastic. I've been to his place and seen it before. It is incredible what he does, the way he raises the worms, and then he sells 100% worm poop. And that is some good stuff for your garden. It's not mixed with anything else. He's got 100% worm poop for sale. And uh, But Michael's going to give us a, a talk about how he raises the worms, what the worms do, and... Just let us know uh, the attributes of using worm castings. That's what the worm poop's called, worm castings, in your garden. I get them from them every year, and uh, and I put them in my garden. So we're looking forward to that. That's April 8th, 1 o'clock, at College Heights Baptist Church there on K Beach, across the street from the Franz Bread Store. Uh, and, uh, oh, yeah, that's the, the garden program. Sorry, I was getting mixed up with my other other one. Yeah, uh, College Heights Baptist Church, 1 o'clock, Saturday, April 8th, Michael Hicks from Grandpa's Worms. Then on April 22nd and 23rd, uh, that's the home show at the Soldatna Sports Center, and the Garden Club will have a booth there, and uh, you can come by and uh, join up, talk, uh, talk gardening with them, and just see what the club has to offer. Now, I will admit that Unfortunately, I won't be in town that weekend. Uh, I'm going to be in Seattle watching the St. Louis Cardinals beat up on the Seattle Mariners. So I'm looking forward to that, although I am kind of sorry I'm going to miss the home show. One of the other things we're doing this year, this is for paid-up members of the Garden Club, is once again Darren at Trinity 
greenhouse there on K Beach. He is donating a basket, a hanging basket, to paid-up members of the Garden Club. We will have a drawing uh, later on, uh, late May or early June. And I did it last year, and what I do is I take everybody who's a member of the club, paid-up member of the club, and I do a bunch of random sorts of a spreadsheet. I don't even look at it. I just do sorts on different columns, and I just do them randomly, and then I use a random number generator, and that number generator comes up, and whatever that number comes up, and the person who's on that line in the spreadsheet, they win that basket. And a, a lady named Lisa Coates won last year's basket, and I'll tell you what, it was beautiful. Uh, it was heavy. It was absolutely huge, and it was gorgeous. So uh, thanks, Darren, for doing that again. And then, uh, for, for you folks uh, that support the Garden Club, what we're doing this year, and you'll see this, you'll, you'll check out our Facebook page, the Garden Club Facebook page. You can email the Garden Club, and then in this monthly newsletter that's coming out, we're having our annual fundraiser soil amendment sale. We're doing it a little bit different this year, and one of the things we're doing is it's getting tougher and tougher to find volunteers. So what we are doing is we are having the vendors sell you the items individually to you, and then they will make a donation to the Garden Club. So instead of everybody ordering their soil amendments through the Garden Club, and then we have, remember we used to have a pickup on like the second Saturday in May, first Saturday in May, and everybody would come to Kenai Feed and pick up everything they ordered. They prepaid for it. Well, what we're doing this year is you will go to vendors. You'll go directly to Kenai Feed. And this is just for the month of May. So to support the Garden Club, you need to buy all your soil amendments that the Garden Club has typically provided in the month of May. Uh, it's not all summer. So I'm going to say it again. Just the month of May and Sarah at Kenai Feed will then take the totals of what she sold and then will make a donation to us based on the number of sales. And, and then for you folks that have bought before, you know, Fritz Miller at TNT Compost, he makes the, oh golly, he makes the best compost and he works hard at it. You can go directly to Fritz, same way, instead of buying it through us and then picking it up, You'll go directly to Fritz for the month of May. He'll keep those sales separate, and based on his sales, he will make a donation to the Garden Club. Makes our life easier, makes their life easier, because they can take a tax write-off on a, on a donation to a nonprofit. So anyway, the items that we're selling again this year is the Alaska Fishbone Meal. That's in a 55-pound bag. That comes out of Kodiak, and it's $49.95 a bag, $50 a bag. And, uh, you know, like everything, folks, prices have gone up a little bit. And what has really gone up uh, a lot in talking to Sarah at Kenai Feed is shipping. Shipping still is absolutely, uh, it's just a big, a big part of, uh, of trying to get things up here. And we all know that living up here, we know that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, we'll be, so 55-gallon bags of Alaska fishbone meal that we've sold in the pack, past, $49.95. Uh, agricultural lime, a 50-pound bag, is $20.95. That's gone up just a little bit. 
Four Corners Verma Compost, one cubic foot, is $20.95. And something we couldn't sell last year that we're glad to have him back this year is Michael Hicks from Grandpa's. As I told you, he'll be uh, on April 8th. He'll be our speaker at the next program meeting. Uh, Michael had some health issues last year, wasn't able to take care of his worms, and he had to rebuild his, I guess you would call it, he'd have to rebuild his herd. He had to rebuild the worm herd, but he is back to full operation right now, and we're going to be selling half cubic foot bags of Grandpa's 100% worm castings for $25, and Grandpa's 100% worm castings one cubic foot for $45. That's a better price than you're going to get anywhere else. Uh, Anchorage down here, that's a that's a kind of a deal we're giving to the to the garden club. And then for Fritz Miller, his TNT compost, one cubic foot that he provides to you in uh, one of those felt grow bags, so it's ready to plant right in that bag for $25. And then for you folks that bought last year, if you remember, he also sells that compost in 30 cubic feet super sacks. You know those big, giant, white sacks you see uh, being hauled around and, and parked here and there? 30 cubic feet, that's $400. Now, I know that's a little bit of money, but uh, that is some good stuff. And we sold, I was really surprised uh, last year, we must have sold 12 or 15 of those to, to, our, uh, to our growers, to our local folks. So anyway, be sure to buy all these in the month of May because that's what gets those funds back to the Garden Club. In this month's newsletter that I'll be sending out this afternoon after the show, I've got a little order form in there, not for sending in or anything, but this is something that you can look at, kind of decide what you want, print this one page out, just one page of the, of the Garden Club uh, newsletter out, and write in what you want, and you can figure out what it's going to cost you. And then take take that to Keen Eye Feed and give it to Sarah, one of her folks, and uh, they'll have it already so you don't have to go there and try and decide what you want. But uh, Keen Eye Feed will be the place to buy all these items uh, that I listed, except for, for Fritz, the, the compost. And you can call Keen Eye Feed at 907-283-1929, with your order to pick up. And for Fritz Miller for TNT compost, he's at 907-398-8851. So you need to, uh, Kenai Feed's not so bad. You can just walk in the door at Kenai Feed and pick up your order, but you need to call Fritz because he'll need, especially those 400 pound uh, super sacks of compost, and he will coordinate with you and he'll actually deliver those to your house within a reasonable distance. I don't think he's going to, uh, haul them up to the valley for you but uh, within reasonable distance around but like i said i think i think we sold 14 of them last year 12 of them last year i'd have to look at the at the old ones so so anyway uh, uh that's how you can help out the garden club and in the uh all the information's in the newsletter it's got uh, some soil amendment product information and uh, and do what you can and everything uh, with the exception of a couple of items Everything's basically all produced in Alaska, too. Uh, the lime and the vermicompost are not Alaska products, but everything else is generated and put together here in the state of Alaska. So if you want to support us, we'd really appreciate it and, uh, and moving along on there. So, all right, folks, well, what, what do we want to talk about today? And I think one of the best things to talk about is the fact that it's time to start planting 
Now, I know a lot of you folks, some of you folks that have high tunnels, and we talked last time about getting your seeds ordered and, you know, what are you going to plant? And, you know, one of the keys is plant what you like. You know, as I've said before, if you or your family hate broccoli, don't plant broccoli. Plant what you like. And so what we're going to talk about here today is some tips for starting seeds. We talked about seeds themselves last time, but... We, uh, we want to talk about tips for starting seeds and some mistakes and uh, what to look for in your starting seeds. But before I get there, I just realized I forgot to mention uh, that if you've got a, a question for me or want to make a comment, you know, give me, a, give me a, a, an email at growingagreenerkenai at kdll.org. And I would, tell you to, uh, I would tell you to give me a call at the new number, but I... I we use a cell phone for call-ins, and somebody forgot to plug it in, and the battery's dead. So I'm, I've got it plugged in now, and as we get farther into the show, if the battery gets up high enough, I'll for sure uh, have that open again for a phone call. But give me a give me an email at growingagreenerkenai at kdll.org if you got a question or a comment for me, and, and we'll bring that up on the air. And then before I get going, uh, last time I talked about, oh, some of the... Uh, uh, some of the things that we can and can't grow up here. Well, one of one of our listeners, one of our garden club members and volunteers, Dennis Spindler, he sent me a message. Uh, I had said, you remember, folks, if you didn't live up here years ago, uh, being a kid and walking by a honeysuckle bush uh, with those honeysuckle flowers and grabbing the flowers off and sucking the nectar out of the back of the flower. We, we loved doing that as a kid. Well, anyway, Dennis to- had told me that he had listened. He said, He's grown honeysuckle hedge for years. So that got me interested. I'm going to find, I'm going to try and find a good spot this year at our place to stick some honeysuckle because I've always loved honeysuckle. The, the bees love it. Uh, the, uh, the hummingbirds love it. And I think that would be really, really cool to have a honeysuckle bush. So thanks for that, Dennis. And we will, uh, we'll be checking, I'll be checking that out here coming up. Okay. So, we're going to talk a little bit about seeds and mistakes people make starting their seeds. So the biggest thing I can tell folks, and, and I know a lot of you folks are well-versed and a lot of experience and, and you know how to do this, but one of the biggest mistakes people make is they don't read the packet of the seeds that they bought. They don't read the back that tells them what the maturity date is, the growing length, maturity date, how to plant them, do you plant them, how deep do you plant them. And one of the biggest ones that folks need to pay attention to is, you know, there are some plants that don't need light to germinate, but there are solar plants that do need light. Most of our plants don't need light to germinate. You plant them underground. But there are certain seeds that germinate best when exposed to light. And a few of those that we grow up here, we got begonias, columbines, geraniums, poppies, snapdragons, you know, so uh, uh, certain petunias, lobelia. So that's one of the things is they don't need to be buried. They need to be exposed to light to, in fact, germinate. Now, one of the biggest questions people have when you're talking about that is, well, if I got them on the surface, how do I keep them moist, keep them from drying out so they will germinate? Well, one of the things uh, when you're, if you're starting them now, now poppies typically, 
you know, I know some of our growers let them just go and they reseed themselves right in their garden and they come up. And you get to talk about, I've had people say, well, you know, in Mother Nature, when something seeds, it drops their stuff on the ground and they grow. Well, that's true. But one of the things that happens in Mother Nature, too, is when you're talking trees or plants or whatever, every single plant doesn't always live. Only the strongest ones survive. Some of them germinate, some of them don't, some of them get eaten by birds or other animals, rodents. And and that's the difference is they may jump out hundreds, thousands of seeds, and, and not all of them are going to survive. So that's how Mother Nature takes care of that. So I want to go down a, a couple of, of lists of some of the things that people do that uh, are a little bit of a uh, little bit of a uh, a mistake and one of the biggest ones and I've done this before folks is when I'm planting my starter seeds in a pack or however I'm starting in a, in a little starting uh, container is I put my marker in there of what I'm growing and I've used like a pencil or ink or a sharpie or something like that those are not necessarily waterproof after you've watered them a lot. You start watering your plants a lot. So you sit there and you got your marker in there, and all of a sudden what you grew, you don't know what it is. So one of the things to do there is you can put some tape on the side of your, of your uh, grow pots. You can get a UV-resistant marker that's going to stay there regardless of how much sun hits or how much water. And like I said, because there are so many plants that literally look alike when they're coming up, and then you got no idea which one is which. So that's a little tip for you. Don't make that mistake. And it's like, it's like I don't know if you were ever, as a kid, uh, used to drive my grandma nuts when I was real little and I'd go stay with her. I'd pull all the paper labels off of her canned goods and about drove her crazy because she, she didn't know what she had in the pantry anymore. And boy, she used to chew on me a lot for that one. So it's kind of the same thing. How do you know what to plant where if you don't know what the heck it is you're even growing? So uh, that's that's a good, uh, mis- that's a mistake some folks make. Uh, and then one other thing is, is, Whenever you're starting your plants, your seedlings, they they should be they should be started relative to the other starts you've got in your in your packets. You know your uh, oh if you've got a a ten twenty tray or if you've got one you know I I've got some so you know they got some of those trays have got just a little bitty hole in them. They've got several hundred uh, places to plant you know, typically one seed in those. But one of the things to do is don't plant something that takes a long time to germinate right in between a bunch of other plants that are going to germinate faster, come up faster, start developing their cotyledon leaves, their initial leaves, and then their true leaves. And you've got a row of, you've got a row of celery in between those that hasn't even come up yet because celery takes uh, quite a while to to come up so that's one thing to look at too and then because those other plants that are doing well that grow faster and grow bigger they're going to shade out that other plant that celery for instance and they're they're probably not going to make it you know and, and you'll just have to you'll just have to pretty much start over again Another mistake folks made is potentially starting in the wrong type of soil. 
Now, uh, seeds, uh, seeds, and when seedlings are coming up, you know, they typically have enough nutrition in their seed for whatever plant, even though it's a tiny seed, they've got enough nutrition in that seed pod where you don't need to fertilize, you don't need to do anything until those true leaves kind of start coming out. Uh, fertilization is not necessarily the right thing to do for some of those plants because you might you might burn the roots on them. So, uh, but when you're talking about the soil that you start them in, uh, most places you know you recommend they were using coconut coir or seed starting mix, and there's actually very little or no soil in those because the seedlings don't need soil with nutrients in them. They're growing off the reserves in that seed itself. So whenever you're putting your, your starting mix in your trays and whatever, you know, those, like I said, those big trays might be planting, starting 24 plants in a tray, all different plants. You need to put your soil in and then wet it down a little bit. You wet it down a little bit and then you, I take my tray and I, I pick it up and I drop it. I drop it down on the table, and it kind of compacts that soil. You can use your fingers to do the same thing. And then you plant your seeds on there, and then you put a little bit of pre-moistened soil on top of those seeds based on how deep you, you need to plant them. You know, read the label and plant them. You know, uh, for instance, uh, 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 certain plants need to be um, planted uh, an eighth of an inch deep. Other plants need to recommend a half an inch deep. You can kind of calculate that when you're doing that. So I'm sure, and I've done it, everybody's done it, but I'm sure you've put whatever starter, even, uh, you know, you put, uh, uh, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Potting mix, the regular potting mix in a, in a starter tray, and you put your seeds on it, or you put them in a power plot or whatever, flower pot, and you water them, and all the, you know, that soil, that starting mix right there, if it's not pre-moistened, it's hydrophobic, means it hates water. So the water doesn't really soak in very fast. So what happens? We've all done it. You've got your seeds on the top. You may have even covered them a little bit, but that soil, that potting mix, that start is so dry. All your seeds float up, and they float over to a corner of the of the compartment and then when they start coming up if, if, if it's multiple seeds in there they're all in the corner and they're all real tight together so that's one of the re things that causes that is too dry so you need to moisten your mix make sure the seeds don't float up float up and uh, make sure what you're putting on top is moistened also and then people plant like i said read the packet some people plant their seeds too deep uh, what this does is this stresses them, and if you get them too deep, that also can make them leggy. And we all know what leggy is. The plant's getting up too high, uh, searching for light. But if it's got to fight through too much soil or growing mix, that can also make them a little bit leggy because they got to work so hard to get up through the surface of what you planted them in that they've lost all their energy. And uh, a lot of times they'll keel over and and die. And I'm and I know every gardener has done this. I've done it. I've had plants I thought were doing wonderful, and then all of a sudden you look, and one day they're just <laughs> falling over and they're dead. So, so anyway, uh, be careful of that. And another one is starting your seeds too early. 
I have some seeds going right now, but I started the ones that take a little bit longer to germinate and uh, that, that'll be okay, such as I got my, my leeks are going and they're doing well. I've got about five different varieties of onion going and I've got celery going. And my celery, uh, it's only about an inch tall now, maybe an inch and a half, but probably closer to an inch. And those have still got two months to grow. And I'll pot those, pot everything up here a little bit, uh, but they're doing fine. But for me right now, uh, I've, I haven't started my tomatoes. I haven't started anything like that now. I know some folks have, some of the commercial folks have, uh, and you know, I was in one of the greenhouses, uh, local greenhouse the other day, and they've got tomatoes in there already that are, gosh, they look like they're two feet tall. Well, unless you're planting them in the house or in your high tunnel or your greenhouse and keeping it good and warm, I'm not sure. I mean, there's a there's a good, to me anyway, a good month left. I mean, I'm not going to be planting in my greenhouse for at least a month. And, uh, you know, and that's uh, that's only uh, being real careful how cold uh, night temperatures are getting. So be real careful with that. Don't start a lot of your things too early. Although I will say that I will be looking at starting almost everything I grow probably in this next in the next ten days. Within uh, probably about by about April tenth, I'll I'll have everything going. Then I'll have everything going, and that's plenty of time to go with a 1st uh, of June, even mid-May uh, planning date uh, to plan outdoors. So another thing uh, you need to look at is when I say starting too early also, you need to look at the packet and have it see what it says, uh, the average days to germinate and days to harvest. So if you've got a certain plant that when you, when you plant that dude and it says, uh, oh, you, you can harvest in 70 days, and you are starting it right now that that plant will mature and be ready to go in 70 days, and you start that right now, then in theory, in theory, that thing's ready to be harvested on June 15th. You know, so so you got to be real careful with that. Now, now a lot of folks, you know, you can you can keep seedlings a little bit longer. I mean, their their roots get down in there. They're in that container. Their roots get packed down. Their, the plant starts growing up, and that's just you know that's just one of those things you just got to watch out for. Seedlings actually will last quite a bit in the container, but depending on what you are growing, you know, you don't you don't want to grow a seventy day tomato, and have it right now. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not sure how so many folks that have two foot tall tomatoes unless they're planting them in their house or they've got a heated greenhouse or a heated high tunnel or something like that. That's, that's a little bit, but for the average, for the average grower, uh, that's, that can be way too early to get your stuff going. And then another one that this is that, well, do I or don't I is folks, you either don't water enough or you water too much. And that's that's a tough one. Uh, for instance, as I said, the the plants that don't need that plants. I'm sorry, the plants that need light to germinate. One of the ways you can keep and the, the small seeds too, like like sorry, put them in your starter tray and take a little plastic wrap. You water them in a little bit, take a little plastic wrap and put it over the top and you'll see, you know, the water condenses on the bottom and that gives them time to swell up and to germinate without drying out. And when you do water those, if you don't put the plastic on there, 
don't use a, a watering can with a heavy spout on it. You need to use a mister of some kind because if you just pour water directly onto those, those as I said before, those ceilings are gonna they're gonna float all over the place. You're gonna drive it down into the soil deeper than it needs to be. So I use a little, you know, a little misting bottle, just a regular squeeze bottle you can get at any big box store. Fill it with water and I squirt the top of them, and then I won't start using regular water. Uh, dripping uh, pulling down on them or, or pouring down on them till they get plenty big to be able to handle that kind of water so be real careful with that and one of the things that that once my starts get up big enough and they have in fact got a decent root system they got their true leaves coming on i bottom water i use those trays and then i will put my water in the bottom and i and i water them from the bottom and as i mentioned earlier don't fertilize too early. I like to, oh, I like to use, uh, well, I'll go ahead and tell you, I use that miracle Grow, the blue stuff that you put it in like a, a tablespoon and a gallon of water. Well, when I start fertilizing those, I will cut that down and I'll do only do like a quarter. I'll put, you know, just about a quarter of a tablespoon into the gallon of water and pour that in. So they get a little fertilizer, but they're not over fertilized. And that, that seems to help them. That seems to help them a lot, too. And, folks, most seeds like to sprout. Oh, you see different numbers, maybe in between 60 to 75 degrees. And one of the things uh, I think some folks make a mistake about, and a lot of folks use them, I don't, I don't use them, is heat mats. Now, heat mats are cool, uh, but one of the things that you need to not do with a heat mat is you don't want to leave them on forever because they will warm the plant up too much. You know, now like peppers that like warmer soil, or, or I'm sorry, plants that like warmer soil, like peppers and tomatoes, you can keep them on there a little bit longer. But the brassicas, they like a cool soil. So once those come up, they start to get their true leaves on them. It's pretty much time to take them off the heat mat and just put them into a, another area of either your greenhouse or your house and and let them uh, let them do their let them do their thing because they do like a little bit cool soil and one of the things some folks do and don't use i i've used them before a little bit and 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 they'll work is those humidity domes and one of the things that work really great uh, that are free pretty much is when you go to the grocery store you get your strawberries you get berries you get salad you get all that stuff and those neat plastic containers those work great for starting seeds uh, you put those in there uh, they're clear you can close them they hold the moisture in uh, the thing you have to be careful with those is is every now and then if you don't take that lid off and get a little air circulating then they can mold and uh, that'll give you that'll give you some problems there with that mold so you want to be sure you've got a good uh, covering you want to let it get out there and dry out because seed seeds don't want to be soaked straight time uh, over watering is one of the worst things people could do they always think they need to water well seeds also like for the the soil they're in to get a little bit dry it lets the uh, atmosphere get in there let's oxygen get down in there and if you've got your plant sitting in water straight time those roots are potentially gonna gonna rot and you know uh, I've never had any trouble with that with watering from below but that's one of the things 
uh, to watch out for from the top when you're watering. You want to be sure you got good drainage and let that water flow out of there because that's one of the biggest things. And we've all seen it. Boy, you've got your you've got your seeds are coming up fantastic, and then all of a sudden you look and the thing has laid over and it has died. There's several reasons for that, but one of them, one of them is overwatering. So be real careful with that. And it's a slippery slope. How do I keep them wet enough to germinate? But how do I keep them dry enough not to rot the seed? or hurt the roots. So starting your seeds and mistakes folks made in starting those seeds. And another another thing you can uh, watch out for is when you're using your, your starter pots, kind of depending on what the variety is that you're, you're planting, be careful how many seeds you put in there. So if you're using one of the smaller, the smaller trays, the 1020 or, uh, you know, well, those are a little bit bigger, 10, 1040 maybe. Certain plants only need one seed planted in that compartment. Whereas some other plants, you might be able to plant three, four or five seeds in there and then you can thin them out. You know, when I'm, when I'm doing a container carrots or if I'm doing tomatoes I always put two or three seeds in the starter compartment and then I take the strongest one and that's what I go ahead and pot up and continue to grow uh, because you 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 always want to take what looks like your strongest plant and and go with that and, and i know it's tough folks but you got a good looking sprout it's it's tough to uh, thin those out but that's another mistake some folks make you just put too many seeds into that compartment and you know and when we talk about how we start seeds you know and i mention her name all the time bobby jackson she starts literally unless she's doing it different everything in water she just soaks the seed in water and waits for it to sprout and then she plants it you know, so she's got all these bowls that she sets out. She labels them, and they're all full of different varieties of seeds. And she's told me before that the only thing she doesn't start in water is carrots. You know, so uh, I've tried some of Bobby's methods, especially with the radishes. You know, I take a little little bathroom, uh, the little three-ounce bathroom cup that you, you have in your bathroom, put a little water, and I put a bunch of radish seeds in there. And boy, I'll tell you what, sometimes within 24 hours, 36 hours for sure, all those little seeds down there have little white roots coming out of them. And then you put them in, uh, in your garden or in a container, wherever you're going to plant those, and boy, those things start coming up. And uh, it's, it's not a bad method. And the neat thing about that is you, you plan to put a little furrow in your garden where you want to put those. You don't even have to cover them up. You can just lay them in there, and that root will work its way down into the ground. It, it works. It works, you know. So everybody's got their different ways of doing it. You know, like we've talked about putting them in between a wet paper towel or something like that and putting them in a Ziploc bag to get them to sprout. Well, that's Bobby's methods of putting them in in the uh, in water uh, but you don't have to do that you can still just put them in a starting mix uh, light compost you know I've grown in light compost before uh, the biggest thing like I said is be careful what you start them in so it's not too not too rich from the standpoint of holding too much moisture and making the seed rot or the root system rot and when we're also talking about that 
the roots, they need room to grow. You know, you can grow something in clay, but it's not going to do very well because the roots themselves have to fight that tightly packed clay and uh, it's, it's it's too much for them. The water doesn't necessarily drain. They can rot. And a lot of plants grow in clay. You know, they grow on top of the surface, mostly natural plants. But, you know, try to grow potatoes in clay. They'll grow. But, boy, those potatoes forming underground, they got to fight that compact clay. So plants like just a little bit of, like I said, to get a little bit dry when they reach a certain age so they can breathe, so those roots can breathe. So uh, so remember that too. But your sprouts, one of the things they'll do, you know, like when we're talking about, uh, now I'm going to talk about them getting leggy, you know, and these are signs of stress. So most folks know that when plants get leggy, that's where the, the stem is growing really tall and you got a couple little tiny leaves on the top. Several reasons for that is, as I mentioned before, maybe planting too deep. That can cause it. But the biggest, the biggest thing is not enough light. And that is one of the toughest ones to be sure you do right for your plants is give them enough light. Now, I, I was doing a little research here a while back. And when you're using your, if you're doing them indoors and you're using a grow light, you know, you need to look at the lumens of those lights. And it's called what's a, a K rating. I think if I remember, it's like a Kelvin rating. So, you know, you need at least a thousand lumens above 2000 lumens. So you need 3000 lumens of your light. And you can find this on the, the light package or your LED or whatever. That light needs to be about six inches away from your seedlings. And some people put them even closer until they really, till they start to prout and then they can move them up. But if you've got, you know, a, a compact fluorescent that's only, that's between the lights, they're 4,000 lumens. And if you've got that thing three feet away from your starts, those little, those little seedlings are going to start stretching to get to that light. And you don't want that. And we've all seen whenever you start, maybe start some of your seeds in a windowsill, they all start leaning and pointing toward that window because that's where the bulk of their light comes up. So you, you turn it around, you turn your tray around and let them grow back the other way. And I'll tell you what, it's incredible how fast they do that too. I mean, sometimes you got to turn your, your uh, seed trays, your starter trays numerous times a day to do that so that's one of the biggest things too is make sure that the the lighting is adequate enough so those little seedlings don't start stretching uh to to get to the light so uh, i've uh, i've got a little led or in my utility room that i grow things under and i've got it on a little chain that i can lift it up or down as the plants grow and i get it down pretty low to the plants and, uh, and then I start lifting it up. Uh, so, so anyway, uh, that's another one. And another one, too, is now, granted, this is kind of a tough one for us where we live in Alaska where we've got a lot of light. But plants also, they want dark, too. They want darkness. So this time of year when you're starting those, turn your, turn your grow lights off at night. You know, let, let them sit in a little bit of dark also. 
you know, a, a good uh, rule of thumb for for grow lights is 14 to 16 hours, 12 hours at least, and put them on a timer. If you remember when you when you get up, if you get up at six or seven in the morning and then turn them off at 11 o'clock at night before you go to bed, uh, that'll help them out too because they do like to get dark also as much as they like the light. They need some they need some darkness. And then people get the the wrong kind of light, you know. You, you know, everybody's been to the big box store uh, where you where you see the different kinds of lights that you can put in your house. And the left side of the spectrum of light is that's the lower lumens, that's the lower K value, and they're yellow lights that to make things soft in your house. The brighter white light is where you get up into those four, six, eight thousand. Kelvin lumen area that is that bright white light and that's and that's what you want you want those for your plants and you know you can also buy there's blue lights you can buy there's all sorts of different lights you can buy and I've seen different people uh, that that grow use grow lights that the light comes down it looks uh, ultraviolet almost it's so blue and bright uh, that they've they've had to put uh, a put I had to put a cover over their their shelf starting racks because it's so bright it it digs into your brain you know so so anyway uh but you need to you do need blue spectrum light that is the one that that really helps the plants grow so don't overwater them and then another one that really really seems to work pretty well and i have a little trouble with this because of where i start my seedlings in my greenhouse i've told you folks this before i actually do a greenhouse within my greenhouse i've got one of the plastic racks from the big box store and i uh shelves you know shelves and i put all my starts on that and i've got that thing wrapped in plastic and i've got it fixed so the front rolls up well on the very bottom of that shelf, I have a heater, and I run that heater down there. It's a little electric plug-in heater. You know, it's kind of, if it tips over, it goes off, so I don't worry about safety. And then the rest of that shelf, utility shelf, uh, that's where I put my plant starts. And that heater down there, that heat rises up to the top. And then on the very top shelf, I took some... Uh, Oh, like some uh, CPVC water pipe. And I built a little frame up there so I could get one more level to get it covered up. And that's how I start my most of my starts, except for the ones I've got in the house right now. Uh, like I said, the onions and the leeks and stuff. And then I keep them in the greenhouse because this time of year, like I said the other day, the greenhouse got up to 68 degrees. So if we got a nice sunny day like today, my greenhouse will stay nice and toasty. I will have all my starts in there. I start them from seed out there, and they will start to sprout, keep them misted with water. And then when they start growing up, like I said, this time of year, I will turn the heater off, and I will open up the plastic on the front, let them get some air, and I got a fan that I run in there during the day. And that really helps those stems, as in Mother Nature, um, to get stronger. They are used to, they build, they build up those stems, and that actually makes a stronger plant by doing that. So, so that's what I do. And like I said, uh, starting with, uh, I'll have all my stuff start within the next 10 days. And like I said, I know a lot of you folks that you've actually got a lot of your things started right now, especially folks maybe with a heated greenhouse. But that's what I'll do. I'll get those going. I'll start everything out there uh, on a nice day like today. 
the uh, that plastic from the front will open up and I let them just breathe the, you know, breathe the carbon dioxide that's in there that I'm exhaling from being older and wearing myself out and breathing heavy. So I'm, I'm building my own CO2 for the plants to grow. Uh, and, uh, and then you, uh, at night I put the, put the plastic down in the front. I got Velcro down the side so it seals it. And I've got a good little sealed greenhouse within a greenhouse and I turn the heater on at night and I let those go overnight and it keeps them nice and warm. And I've put my remote thermometer, uh, excuse me, my remote thermometer in there. It lets me know in the house how hot it's getting in that little mini greenhouse. And then I can go, if I feel like it's getting too hot, I can go over to our breaker box in the house and I've got it on a separate breaker and I can actually turn that off and, and shut that heat off right from the house instead of walking out to my greenhouse. And that seems to work that seems to work pretty good too. And then, uh, but it, but it all, it all equates to how cold we're getting at night. You know, I, I typically go to bed at 11 o'clock ish or something like that. And if it's, you know, if it's 18 degrees, uh, I guarantee you that heater, that heater is on. And I don't worry about the temperature of what it's going to be overnight, uh, in the, in the little mini greenhouse, because I know it's not going to get too hot. And I do try to set that heater at a temperature that, you know, maybe, maybe keeps that greenhouse in the 85 degree range, uh, no more than 90, but in the 85, 75 to 85 degree range. And that seems to work pretty well. Like I said before, uh, plants tend to like, oh, depending on where you read, 60 to 75 degrees to germinate. And I keep it just maybe a touch hotter than that. And then I'm really careful during the day, uh, on a sunny day, as we go into the, into the spring, it can get really hot in there. So I make sure I get up early and I'll check that remote thermometer and I'll go out and I'll roll up the, the plastic on the front of my little mini greenhouse, make sure they don't get too hot in there because they will get super hot in there. So anyway, you know, uh, one of the other things that I've read two different things about this on planting seeds, and that is my best luck has always been potting up. You know, you, you put your seeds, whatever they are, into a starter, a smaller compartment in your starting tray, and then you pot it up into a little bit bigger tray, then into another little bit bigger tray. And I've always had the best luck doing that. For instance, if I've got a, a five-gallon bucket of soil that I want to grow something in, I'm probably not going to put one celery seed right in the center of that bucket or two or three celery seeds and cut the, cut the, uh, the two weaker ones out and keep one. That's not really necessarily a good idea for the one reason that it takes up a lot of room when you can be starting them in a smaller container. But another reason is, like I said, I've, I've read two different theories on this, but I've always adhered to the theory that if you start the wrong seeds in too big of a container, that the soil in that container, it doesn't have a real good chance to dry out. If you're planting 
you know, and I've got some of those great big terracotta planters that are that are dang near almost two feet across, 18 to two feet across. They're huge. And the plants that you plant in there, depending on what they are, they're little tiny sprouts. They're trying to grow up. The roots don't have anything to strive for. And the rest of the soil that's in that thing, it can harbor it can harbor bacteria, disease, whatever, mold. So I adhere to the fact of potting up. And, you know, if for a really huge container, you know, I'm going to, if I'm going to plant a bunch of seeds in there, like if I'm going to plant, plant uh, radish seeds in a container, that's a little bit different. But I'm not going to plant one single squash seed in my five gallon bucket i'm going to plant it and then i'm going to pot it up again and then i'm going to plant it in the container or out in the garden and i i do that mainly i don't know uh, back in the midwest we didn't really worry about that too much you know and it's and it's different it's really different when you talk about putting your plants right in the ground you know back in the midwest i planted squash i planted everything right in the ground. I plant the seeds in the ground and they seem to do okay. So you say, well, what's the difference? Well, the big difference is the ground can drain. The ground can drain and the moisture can go away uh, and not root rot or mold your seed. And, and I know we've all dealt with this too. You get in there and you plant your seeds, nothing comes up, nothing comes up. So you dig the seed up to see what happened and it's almost gone because it's rotted. Well, that's a definite sign of too much watering. So that's the toughest one for a lot of folks is water too much, not water enough. It's a, and, that, and all you can do there is, uh, from experience, you know what to water, when to water, and how often to water. You know, like when I get home today, my plants are probably going to need a little bit water. Uh, the, the soil down underneath the surface is probably doing pretty well. But on top, it's a little dry. So, you know, I'll, I'll, if I got room, I might stick my finger down in there. And if it's plenty moist in there, I might not have to water them, even though the top looks a little bit dry. Now, it depends on what it is. You know, like I said, my celery, it's a tiny little start. They're tiny. Uh, those might need a misting to get a little soil, a little water down into the soil. But everything else, it's probably, it's probably doing okay. I'll just have to check them when I get home. So anyway, well, I hope, uh, I hope some of this has helped you out a little bit. Uh, a lot of you folks that plant, you, you, know, you know what's going on uh, with your seeds, and, that's, and that comes from experience of growing in Alaska. Like I said, it's a, it's a different gardening game in the lower 48, at least where I'm from. And I just ran into it uh, today at the store, ran into one of our garden club board members, old Beverly, and they moved up here from Arkansas. We were both talking about how different it is. And they've, they haven't been here as long, and they're still, in fact, learning how to garden in Alaska. So so anyway, we, uh, uh, we were talking about that in the store. Well, folks, we're coming down to the end of the show a little bit. And one of the things I want to let you know, too, is... This upcoming summer, starting next month, May the 3rd, I think that is next month, that's when Growing a Greener Kenai comes back to twice a month because there's going to be a lot more to talk about through the summer of where we should be in our gardens, what you're doing, 
how you're for how you're getting ready to plant you're getting ready to plant outdoors what are you getting ready to do uh, do any of you folks have high tunnels that you're going to be planted in by then so we're going to have a lot more to talk about and i'm really excited i've told you folks before i've got some guests that'll be calling in joe lample from growing a greener world and uh, uh joe gardner podcast will be calling in this summer and our last show at the garden club meeting a guy named Jeff Whiteside from Frosty Gardens in Fairbanks came down and talked to us at the garden show. And I'll tell you, it was absolutely fantastic. These guys, uh, Jeff and his wife or partner, Katie, they grow in Arctic conditions up by Fairbanks. And I'll tell you what, this guy had more fantastic information for us to to learn, well, he's going to be a call-in guest this summer, and I'm really looking forward to having Jeff call in and give us his expertise. Uh, he just did a wonderful show, and they've tried just about everything uh, at their garden, and they are well-experienced. They plant in the ground, in high tunnels, in containers. They know how to start things. They know how to deal with super cold weather gardening, and those folks up in Fairbanks, if they don't know how to do it, Man, I don't know who does know how to do it. So anyway, we'll be uh, we'll be having Jeff on this summer and hopefully a, a couple other guests that I'm not going to say right now until they confirm they're going to be on, but I'm hoping to have another uh, national gardener on the show with me do a call in. They said they would, but we haven't got a schedule set up yet. So we will we will see what we can do to get that going for you uh, this this upcoming summer, which sounds like a lot of fun to me. So, anyway, uh-oh. Holy smokes, folks. I can't believe that an hour has gone by already. I mean, my goodness. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. And I'll tell you what, I think this is a, I think this is a blast. I hope you think it's useful, too, because I sure have fun doing it. And, and I also want to get some local folks to come in here and be on the air with me and talk about gardening. I would love to get Bobby Jackson in here and rack her brain on on how she gardens because, like I said, Bobby is one of our premier gardeners. Marcia Kardaski is a great gardener. Uh, we have got so many good gardeners on the peninsula here, and it's an overused cliche, but that don't try and reinvent the wheel is a true statement and I don't want to discourage anybody from experimenting and having fun but that's talking to the folks that really know what's up is uh, is fun so anyway I want to leave you with uh, uh, with uh, the Beatles playing playing a little bit of Octopus's Garden and uh, you know I, I saw a thing the other day with uh, uh, scientists are starting to uh, take animal DNA and put it in plant DNA and I saw where they grew a 19 pound strawberry they took DNA from a Brahma bull put it in the strawberry plant and they're growing giant strawberries so we'll see uh, I'd love to get some of those seeds if they become available so we'll see what happens there and uh, and we'll see if that works in Alaska so anyway well folks have a great day on the on the peninsula this is Listener supported public radio for the Central Kenai Peninsula, KDLL 91.9, FM Kenai Soldatna. Happy April Fool's Day. <laughs>